0: Hi there and welcome to the Storymakers Institute, your front row pass to the world's most intriguing storytellers. And today we're going to be wandering through the mind of Dr. Tyson Yunker-Porter, an Aboriginal thinker, the author of Sand Talk. He's just got a new book out, actually. This new book is called Right Story, Wrong Story, and it goes into a man grappling with the success of his first book and the ramifications of it as well. But we're also today on the show going to talk about disinformation and what right story and wrong story actually is. If you'd like to hear the full extended edition of the show, the only way to find it is by becoming a paid subscriber on Substack. All you need to do is visit the thestorymakersinstitute.substack.com, fill in your details and you'll be able to access full editions of the show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or directly on the Substack app. But without any further ado, please welcome Dr. Tyson young Porter. It's
1: been a minute. It's been a real minute. Yeah. I've never said that before. I just sort of wanted to wait until people had stopped saying it, and then I'd try it out. It didn't work very well. I didn't like it. It's been a It's been a hot minute. Yeah, it's yeah. A hot minute. Oh, it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot mess. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's another one I never said before. I like to wait until things have passed. Yeah, you've got to try these things on, you know. Just sort of pick through the ruins of, of the cultural moment from like six months ago. You know, I'm a cultural archaeologist when it comes to settler culture.
0: What have you been digging through the last
1: little while? Oh, what you, uh... yeah. I'm like a forensic black fella. Archaeologist. <laughs> People are often disappointed in like <laughs> my work because I'm not like going, Oh, a long, long time ago. I'm like, going no, no, no. About five minutes ago, <laughs> five minutes ago, Aristotle identified 13 logical fallacies. And from there, we built a whole discipline on how not to talk bullshit. Mm. And I'm going to apply that to the study of sifting through the ruins of your culture. <laughs> mm. Mm. so if you if you look at disinformation and then you're applying different lenses ah. like a, an indigenous methodology ah. but then also other lenses like logical fallacies you know et cetera et cetera then uh it gets pretty interesting
0: mm. yeah mm. what have you what have you uncovered uh in the in the last little while so far as uh so far as this particular point because it does feel like we're in a kind of apex moment at yeah. the moment so far as uh Advancement, quote unquote, yep. in those sort of words, and yet at the same time, things around us also falling down. Oh,
1: look, you know, if we're thinking about story and story being the centre of everything, story being what drives people's behaviour within cultures and places and their understanding of time and space, their morality, you know, um, etc. If you're thinking about it in those terms, then um Yeah. What have I discovered? I've just, uh, particularly in terms of disinformation landscapes, and I think of them as landscapes as a terrain, trying to map, map my way through it, you know, um, that it's not just that they have better narratives than, you know, mainstream fact-based stuff, which is all exposition, but, you know, they have better (laughs) narratives and, and they're quite old. They're like, uh, you know, uh, Jewish blood libel and the, Protocols of the Elders of Zion just sort of repurposed. Same story coming around and around. And it's, it's not just conspiracy, it's conspirituality, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean by that? So it's, a, it's the spirituality of conspiracy movements, you know, or mm. conspiracy theory sort of movements. So, you know, disin- good disinformation always has spirit at its core. That's why the Russian stuff works so well. Cause they got that weird stuff, like, uh, the old Russian Orthodox stuff mixed in with, um, with, with the cosmist, uh, you know, (laughs) philosophies, which was the original transhumanist stuff. And everybody's just like, ah, inhaling it like cocaine. So where I started studying uh, this stuff was in my own work. So I went through that first book, Sand Talk, and I first noticed it when I was doing when I was doing the, the, uh, audible recording, the voice, uh, you know, for the audible books. Um, and I had to read it twice for two different platforms. And then I'm like, this is some cult dynamics shit right here. This is some, yeah, yeah. I'm Okay. And I can see the pattern. If you know, cult dynamics, it's like, okay, so I'm love bombing for about half a chapter and sort of, making you feel like you're coming into a relation and you feel really cared for and, and loved. And then I just slap you out of nowhere. <laughs> slap you with something. And while you're discombobulated and going, where's the love? Where did the love go? Then I offer you a heuristic. <laughs> like, here we go. Here's like a, a way to look at the world. Take the pill. Yeah, here's, yeah here's, take the pill. Here's five indi- the five indigenous ways of thinking. Like, yeah, read it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yes. And they are grabbing that like a drowning man. And then, like you know, and then I love bomb you for a bit more, and then slap. I do another one, and I'm like, "Oh, that's some guru shit." And then I'm I'm finding all the logical fallacies in there, particularly the false dichotomies. That, that's all, always the, the usual one. So at the same time as I'm talking about how we don't have uh, dichotomies, we have dyads in Aboriginal culture. We don't have a continuum between this one and that one, and mm. you know. Can you explain dyads for those who well, it's like uh, been following along. It's like two sides of the same coin. Instead of like Mm. a continuum, they got two Mm. sides of the same coin, you know, fresh water and salt water are opposites. They're just, you know, the way things shift in time and place in one area in this sort of dynamic, you know, uh, mix all the time. But that's not that secular idea of pastiche or that third space culture rubbish you know, of like, oh, if, you know, the left says this and the right says this, then the center is probably true, you know, uh-huh. it's not that one at all. It's, it's very dynamic and it's, it's always one thing. Anyway, what I did, I set up a whole heap of stuff, like I set up a dichotomy between uh, simplicity, you know, as entropy and, and, and complexity, it's, you know, so Aboriginal knowledge is complex. Western knowledge is simple, you know, um, you know, complex is good. Simple is evil. <laughs> I'm doing all this just guru shit, man. Guru tricks, guru dynamics. So, you know, when I went through and really critically analyzed that, um, a book sort of, a book came out. Because I also identified where I've been inhaling like Russian propaganda and all these like conspiracy theories and stuff. Like people like talk, but I'm in there flirting with chemtrails. (laughs) You know, I'm like you know coming right up and just sniffing around them chemtrails i don't quite say it but i do talk about geoengineering you know etc and i arrive at the right conclusion but i get there the wrong way Mm. ah which is which is probably where this 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 new book will lead us. I guess
0: before I talk about that, I wanted to make the point that it's very hard to disprove the spirit and the spirituality. Yeah, yeah. So, from a story perspective, if that's the dominant narrative that runs through, it's very hard to grasp onto a story that's so slippery, if that's a good word to use in a way. That's it.
1: That's it. Things of spirit are neither verifiable nor falsifiable, Mm -hmm. you know. You can't prove a negative and you know, you know, all these sorts of things. It's, 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 it, it gets really tricky like that, but that's the reason why I, I argue that, that Aboriginal culture is quite secular and like, you know, where spirit does guide you it's when we're talking about that, we're talking about the informatics of a landscape, you know, like you're a node in a complex natural system, basically and your governance Mm. and social dynamics. Everything is driven by that layer of nature and land, you know, Mm. Um, and there are complex occluded informatics going through these landscapes from mycelial to tree roots, to the arboreal stuff in the canopy to the seasonal cycles of stars and things. You know, this is all spirit to us, but that's mundane. You know, there's no separation between spirit and biology there. Mm. So that's some normal Mm. stuff. But when you start to get into the magic stuff, the miracle side stuff, um, you know, like the everyday spirit, there's evidence there, you see the emu in the Milky way and that star is here and the emu eggs are ready to collect, you know, that's just Mm. spirit. And that's, you know, that's verifiable from day to day, but we just call Mm. that stuff that they call informatics. We call that spirit, but then there's ceremony and ceremony is secret you do not bring ceremony across into your day-to-day life because magic's over there. And that's where you do that. And you limit it to that. And then the mundane is over here. So, um, you know, for us, I guess there's no need or no reason to prove spirit in, in the everyday and in the mundane uh, that just, that, that is separate always. <laughs> yeah. Yes,
0: it just can, it
1: consists in the container of the overall, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're mm. quite happily able to continue in the culture and, you know, to be informed by, you know, uh, what people would call superstitions, but which nine times out of 10 is good theory because it, it comes out the right way, you know, in, in your outcomes. <laughs> <laughs> and probably long observed theory as well, too. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, this, it's just a different uh, set of metaphors to what you got in mm. science. And I'm not mm, so, I'm not mm. seeing see, that's another dichotomy I set up in the last book is this separation between science and, and indigenous knowledge. Um, but that's just what I thought science was, you know, what do you think it is now? Well, I think there's three kinds of science. I think there's pseudoscience and mad science. And both of those things exist in parasitic relation to real science. You know, so your pseudoscience, that's all your disinformation stuff. The crazy stuff like the quantum woo it's like wow you know so what an electron can be in two places at once i can be in two places at once i'm like an amazing new age bloody mystic (laughs) you know that kind of thing that's the pseudoscience and then the mad science is just the stuff that you can weaponize and scale like you can just take this bit and apply that to your rocket design and bloody you know blow up the moon um that's the mad science Um, Mm -hmm. but then the real science is where all that comes from, which is, you know, okay, so what's the scientific center of the world? What's the central organization that controls all science? There fricking isn't one. It is a, um, you know, it, it has no center. It's like a, a leaderless thing, science there are, you know, it doesn't mean there aren't hierarchies here and there, but it's distributed, you know, throughout the world, people from every culture working through with the scientific method and putting in papers, having them peer reviewed, you know, something looks like it works and then it goes along for a while until someone finds something better. And then up it goes. And there's a general sort of consensus out there, which is not organized. And I'm like, geez, that sounds a lot like indigenous knowledge systems to me. <laughs> I was just going to say that. And it, here so I am. It sounds very organic. Here I am. <laughs> in, for most of my career setting up this uh, dichotomy between indigenous knowledge and science, which doesn't really exist. There is a dichotomy between what people think indigenous knowledge is and what people think science is, you know, which is uh, usually wrong. And it's usually informed by pseudoscience, both of those things. Because people love, there's only one thing they love more than quantum woo, and that's some ancient wisdom woo. And there's plenty of us out there prepared to dish it up for them, which is the reason why the last book was a bestseller, but this one certainly won't be. Because this book is just, I'm just debunking all the woo from the last book, basically. Here. <laughs> we love a good quotable quote. Yeah. Well, let's
0: talk about this. This is your, your new book, yeah. right, right Story, Wrong Story. How do you define
1: those two terms? Um, oh, that's just it. It's just something that's in, you know, Aboriginal English, like we'll say, nah, that's wrong story, you know? And so usually wrong story is about, um, well, actually we don't say right story very much. It's just story. <laughs> story is right story, but then wrong story is something else. Wrong story is something that, uh, has been, has been cobbled together very quickly and unilaterally you know, by a group or by a person, you know, it can be like gossip at the simplest level, but it can also be something that's designed to try and move people in the wrong direction. It's a little bit like sorcery. So for us, black magic is, you know, so we have magic in ceremony and that's secret, but then there's black magic, which people don't do together in ceremony. Black magic's done by one person on their own who basically creates an illusion that affects reality, usually through people seeing that illusion or um, perceiving that illusion, and then and then through their actions and and response to that, it makes it real in the world. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and do you mean in the context of because uh, when I think of, of black magic, you think of kind of witches and hats, yeah. but what are you thinking of when you when you say that?
1: Uh, yeah, well, so black magic for us is like you know. Um, I don't know. It gets whispered out there that somebody's gotten hold of your niece's hair, and then everyone's worried because you know they might have put that hair in a particular place where there's a continuous motion in nature, like running stream or uh, uh, branches of a tree blowing together constantly in the wind, and they'll put it there and they they'll sing up that illusion that that person's sick, and then that sort of gets back to them, and then that person, in terror, you know, becomes sick. Um, and that black magic, that illusion sort of spins around and works on it nice. that way. So it's making an illusion real. It's making something that isn't is, which is kind of unraveling creation, you know, cause that's not what ceremony is. The opposite of that. It's about increase, but black magic is about decrease and entropy. You know, it's about trying to turn that back. Um, and that's, I've had that happen to me before, I like a belly sick from that. And it, It does work on you in that way, but I see wrong story. Wrong story is just like, is just like black magic, but it's kind of out in the open and it's, and it's, and it's real and it affects everybody. And it can get a whole community fighting. It can get, uh, you know, people in trouble. It can end in murders. It can end in all kinds of things. Actually, it usually ends in murders. As we can see with the wrong story scaled on a massive scale now by a lot of influencers, you end up with what they call stochastic terrorism. Where, you know, if they tell that wrong story, Hillary Clinton's ah. eating babies and stuff like that, you know, ah. then you know, there'll be one in a thousand people who'll be seriously ah. mentally ill and will take that very literally and very seriously. Ah. And we'll build on that and then, you know, one in ten thousand of them will get ah. the idea to act on it. And if your audience is uh, like 10 million people, then you've got quite a little terror cell in there who's out in the world, you know, shooting up queer nightclubs, you know, uh, attacking people at bloody, you know, drag queen story hour, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That mm-hmm. worked on me too, that one. Like I-
0: What, the drag queen story hour? Not
1: the drag queen story hour because I was already aware by then. So by the time they started doing that one, it didn't get through. So, you know. What did you get caught up in? I got caught with Hillary. Oh, I see. Now, Hillary's done some hateful shit, but no more than any other neoliberal oligarch, right? But I hated her more than all the other neoliberal oligarchs who happen to be men. But I hated Hillary. And when I went back through my thought processes and decision trees and everything else in my mind... It went right back to like, oh well, that was that twenty hours you spent on YouTube that time,
0: <laughs> you know. So you got caught. Yeah. It's almost like a virus that got got into your system through the stories that people were telling yeah. you, through the media the which you were
1: observing. You know what else by. come through on that one? Like hating Hillary more than the other oligarchs. Uh, misogyny mm, sneaks mm. in there because it's all grounded in that. So a lot of the a lot of the bad story, wrong story coming through about how, uh, you know, misogyny, male supremacy, white supremacy, all these things, they sneak under the radar. And we keep thinking that minorities, people of color, indigenous people, queer people, etc., are going to be immune to this, but no, we're not. We can get roped in real easy. And next minute we find ourselves marching alongside white supremacists and, sp- you know, spray painting graffiti on billboards it says like, hold the line Canada, you know, Remember when the fascist Canadian truckers were (laughs) trying to shut down Ontario? Yeah, here in Melbourne that was like that lit up. And there's a direct pipeline from the states now with wrong story. So for example, the um remember the kitty litter story that came out of Joe Rogan? He made it up, basically. But the idea that schools were now providing kitty litter trays for children who identified as cats. Yes, I heard that, that one. was used to like really set fire to the, the trans panic, that vast moral mm. panic, which was like a, a cluster of wrong stories. Well, that one, it landed in Australia before it landed anywhere else and set fire to the place here. Everybody was mm. going on about it.
0: Do you think that's come from a place where everyone has a microphone? Is, is that the root cause here or is this always, has wrong story always been part of the fabric of culture?
1: Yes, everyone's got a, a microphone, but everyone's got headphones too. Mm.
0: So you've got your influence from the spiritual. You've got the influence from from uh, different forms of media. Uh, I guess I'm trying to think about how to. Uh, if you're not going to place trust in those sorts of institutions, then then where where do you find your sense of place in the world and and how are you responding to it? and and for me the the recent thought I've had around that is well what does the actual physical land offer us
1: that's it well see you know that that that's that's the reason is to um is to make everyone mistrust the institutions so much that um, you know the idea of making billionaires pay some taxes is goes on the back burner you know, because we can't yeah. trust the institutions who are doing that. You can't trust the institutions who are regulating for safety and regulating for, um, you know, the environment, you know, um, and holding back you know, your big robber barons from killing everybody and everything and never paying a cent of tax to fix it, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's the idea. That's why they're paying all that money mm-hmm. in. So but how do, we, how do we find solid ground to stand on? That's, right. that's the trick. Mm-hmm. It's about knowing the difference mm-hmm. between right story and wrong story. So it comes back to, so what's wrong story? Wrong story is somebody out of place, you know, unilaterally, individually, or as a group, um, you know, creating a wrong story deliberately. They know it's bullshit, but they do it quite deliberately in order to create an illusion in the world that will create a real effect in the world. That's wrong. So what's the opposite of that? That's why I put right story there. You know, the so, what is Wright's the story so, then in that context? Well, if you wanted to go with a dichotomous logic, you could say it's the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect
0: I? you've got though the alternative to yeah, that yeah. too in your mind.
1: Uh, I'm black. What's black? Well, it's um, it's not white. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't work like that. But you know, it does. It does have all these um, uh, it, it, it does have characteristics of being something that it comes out of place and land and a relation with place and land. Uh, it comes from community collectively and it comes over deep time. Uh, it comes over at least a, a couple of generations um, and even better if it comes over more, you know. Um, it is grounded also in um, cautionary tale. So you have cautionary tales there about, hey, this is where this has gone wrong before. That's why that hill's there. That's the body of the guy who got his head cut off because he wouldn't share. (laughs) So, you know, you have an economy based on sharing. It's not give and take, Mm -hmm. reciprocity. No, no, it's give, give. That's our our economy. So remember that every time you look at that freaking hill. You know, so you have these deep time, good story like that. So any right story has to be coming out of those older narratives that are so old that they're in the landscape. You know, it has to have that solid foundation of ancient knowledge, ancient wisdom and the stuff that works. Um, yeah, not something that was invented in a monastery like five minutes ago, but you know, proper deep time story. So it has to be grounded in the landscape. It has to be grounded in community. And, you know, that's, that's like, uh, that's like the written Torah, but then you've got the oral Torah that that Jews have got where individuals can embellish, you know, going forward. And that, so you have to have at the, at the, at the front end of culture. Also, you have to have adaptation happening and right story can come out of that. As long as it's grounded in a model of time where the ancestors are present and your descendants are present at the same time. And if your story is not ensuring the longevity longevity of both your ancestors and your descendants, and it's you know, and it's uh, it can't be unilateral. It can't be just coming from one person. It's got to come from lots of people, and you know, it has to come up that way. Um, mm-hmm. If it's not doing that, it's wrong story. You know, and the um, the stated outcome, desired outcome, has to be the actual agenda. <laughs> because usually there's hidden outcomes you know <laughs> do you feel optimistic though that that that
0: people either have the capacity and the willingness to choose right story over wrong story in this cultural moment
1: um it's it's difficult with the tech i i i know that there are a lot of people actually trying to put together you know um you know decent sort of sense making kind of platforms and even AI driven, you know, media stuff that fact checks things in real time and is searching for patterns of conspirituality and, and um, you know, basically cult dynamics and wrong story like that. Um, And, you know, so I know there's, there's a few platforms like that coming up and there's, um, there's lots of people who want to get back to place and get back to community. There's that desire, that cultural desire is really strong. Unfortunately, though, we're so online that a lot of those people, they're our allies and they're very respectfully coming and saying, we're here to listen and we're here to, here to act and be guided by you. Um, yep. And we ha- we've learned cultural humility and we're here to sit with you. Um, what a lot of us tend to do is take cheap shots at those people. It's like, oh, here's a dog I could kick. So a lot of us tend to, because we've never been able to punch down on anyone, suddenly we got these passive sort of allies and we start <laughs> punching down on them. And mm. we start telling them that they're irreparably flawed and that they'll always be racist, them and their grandkids forever because it's in their DNA. That's and all like they can again. do is, 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 you know, sit there and repent oh. <laughs> at our yeah. feet, you know. So you have a lot of Indigenous thinkers sort of doing that. You can score easy points and got to get a, get a lot of, yes, this kind of clicks and stuff like that. But um, that's not a sustainable model, man. That's not a sustainable relational model, um, you know, to have like to mine followers from people who are genuinely ready to reconnect with land, reconnect with community learn from the old people so that there is foundational story and cautionary oh tale that they can build right story from there are a lot of people ready like they're fucking ready bros they've been ready for for a decade or more ready for this and respectfully waiting you know like that um for what like that waiting for what that's, that story it's told from different things sometimes it's a Shaolin monastery or whatever and someone goes and they want to they want to train there and become an acolyte and they ask entry to come and train there and then the guy says no and then they sit there without eating or drinking for like three days and finally the guy comes out and says yes you know we got a lot of allies (laughs) who've been sitting and waiting and they're getting fucking thirsty bros yeah (laughs) it's like throw them a bone throw them a bone give them something what do you think people are waiting for Uh, people are are waiting to be brought into um uh narrative and law of the land and to come under that come under that law. People are waiting for, you know, something real. They know everything else is just shifting sands of perception and they long for a foundational reality. And we have that here. We have that in our law, you know, so they're respectfully asking to come in and uh, sit and over generations become part of that law so that we can have a future. There are a lot of people really respectfully doing that work. Um, And, you know, I don't know. They they tend to get shot down in public, but in a way, it's their own fault for going online so much. What are you doing in there? <laughs> if you're really trying to reconnect and get foundational, why are you still on Twitter? Just get off. Just get offline. Why just are you get still offline. Why are you still on Facebook? Why are you doing that stuff?
0: You know? No, no one needs to be on any of that. Um, I was going to ask you: Do you think that that this sort of same concept could be applied to the global context too? When you've got Indigenous cultures across many parts of the world. Do you do you see that uh, that same desire, that same thirst, that same readiness
1: being applied to in other parts of the world? Yeah, unfortunately, there's the wrong story of New Age uh, culture, you know, which is coming out of some really bad stuff. Actually, uh, it's originating. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, New Age culture is and uh, New Age spirituality it originates in the same place that. Um, that eugenics and and fascism arose from, it's those same stories, Uh, all of that stuff came out of mythologies of, you know, um, you know, spirit channeling, you know, the ancestors and finding out the secret history of the world. You know where there were once all a golden age, and Aryans ruled everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean, and that there's this mythical, magical race of Aryans, um, and that comes from an older wrong story invented by the ancient Greeks about the, uh, the Hyperboreans. They invented this magical culture that descended straight from Apollo. You know, uh, mystical culture in the north has to be in the north always. Anyway, that was that was picked up. Um, you know, during the enlightenment and this sort of and all this neoclassical stuff. Um, And it was like, uh, so people were, half the age of discovery was people run around a joint in leaky boats looking for Atlantis. True God, bros. (laughs) They were driven by all this mystical stuff. And back in London, they're all in their mansions, Having mummy unwrapping parties and wearing turbans and fez and 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 having like bohemian sex orgies and channeling the spirits and and Madame Blavatsky's there inventing theosophy, which is you know the basis of Steiner schooling now uh, and anthroposophy and all of these big wrong story you know things about um well you get born again and again through all the different races and your skin gets lighter each time you know and eventually you it'll be your turn to be the Aryan. And then there are these deeper cycles of time where there's golden ages of priests and kings and then dark ages where the uh, lower castes take over. And that, that was extracted from Hindu, Hinduism. So you see Hindu fascism and Western fascism rising at the same time in this weird feedback loop of wrong story. Um, so new age comes out of that. So I had to say all that to answer your question because the problem overseas, especially on Turtle Island in the United States, is that it's this extractive New Age relation, you know, with uh, with Native American culture, where they have to be very defensive and rightly so, <laughs> because everybody's in there trying to have that dream catcher and make it work. And, you know, they're all smudging oh, with sage leaves, mommy. and, and, and they got their feather fans and, and all these kind of things. And they, they've got a rattle. <laughs> you know, I'm using this sacred rattle oh, on a random ritual that I do all the time. And I'm playing drums and making up chants as I go. And there's all this weird stuff that's all grounded in this new age culture that came straight down. They all believe in this theosophy, anthroposophy. There's that wrong story link. And so that's why you see them Jack, dot, drum circles as neo-Nazis now, because they're all coming from the same mystical traditions, you know, uh, that's grounded in this idea of a glorious past and a glorious race who will be again, um, you know, so this is the problem we somehow have to share and bring all settlers under the law of the land again before they kill everything and everyone. But at the same time, we have to protect our culture from the rapacious extraction of this bloody uh, soft eugenics, neo-fascist, crypto-fascist, weird, you know, basket of, 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 of bastards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's so, an so example. So it's a little bit of column A and it's a little bit of column B.
1: Yeah. Oh man, you see the horseshoe right there. You see the you see the horseshoe in in, in, in uh bloody anti-vax rally drum circle. You see the horseshoe there. It's left and right living together in harmony. It's uh, you know it's a beautiful utopia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, at this point, we'll say farewell to the uh, to uh, those listening to the freebie version of this show, and I hope you might be able to stick around for a couple more questions, if that's we'll right. Say, well,
1: we said farewell to half can... the audience like ten minutes ago. <laughs> you've lost all your new ages. They've and gone. You've gone. You've lost all your, all your all your disgruntled males. You've lost. I mean, that's there's like three two thirds of your audience going, bros.
0: But now it, we can we can just talk between ourselves and no one's going to listen right so we can actually say what we really think and what uh, what people really want to hear well that's it for this free edition of the Storymakers Institute if you'd like to hear the full extended edition of today's episode just head to our website to become a paid subscriber the on the casper of-